Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Some councils are auditing schools and urging a ban on the terms boy and girl. For those who are in an open or polyamorous relationship, your relationships are holy. A gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman. We don't want to just win the argument about sexuality. We want to use this as a gospel opportunity. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Do not, I repeat, do not panic. It's the Wretched Radio mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. You're looking at your watch. No, nobody does that anymore. You're looking at your cell phone and realizing, hey, it isn't mailbag day. Well, it is now because Jimmy said so. And that is enough for me. Why are we spending another week on mailbag questions? Okay, it's a little bit subjective, but it's my perfectly correct subjective experience that tells me (sighs) sin This fallen world, uh, hoping you had a loverly Thanksgiving and didn't gain four pounds like somebody who's talking right now did. Four pounds. Four. Four Four pounds. I I thought you said 40. Stepped on. (laughs) That would have been quite a Thanksgiving. Apparently, pecan pie, it ain't on Weight Watchers list of approved desserts (laughs) because... Hoofda. Nevertheless, in celebrating Thanksgiving and all of the many things that God has done for us, he has sustained us, he keeps us, he blesses us, he offers us a reputation, he gives us his son's resume, all of those wonderful blessings, nevertheless, can sometimes be overshadowed by the difficulties and the sin. And the brokenness. Can't tell you how many parents I talked to over the last several days mourning the loss of their children. Does that mean all of the kids died? No. But it does mean the kids treat their parents as if they're dead, don't go home for Thanksgiving, and don't spend. And if they do go home, it's like, in, out, check that box. I have fulfilled my obligation. See you next year. Mom and dad. So I was thinking about the commandment with a promise that you should honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, that you might live long on the earth. It is the commandment with a promise, and it is reiterated in Ephesians chapter 6. So however you handle Old Testament laws, don't make no never mind because it's reiterated in the New Testament. Nine of the Ten Commandments are, only the Sabbath isn't. It is a commandment that I think we sometimes overlook when we have conversations about, we'll just call them Gen Zs. You don't need to search very long to discover Gen Z people are hurting. They are lonely. They are depressed. They find no fulfillment in work or labor. They can't seem to find themselves a spouse They don't think that having children is that big of a whoop. 
And it got me to thinking, I wonder if in some, not all, can't make a blanket statement, but in some of these instances, if the reason that some young people are struggling is because they're not honoring their father and mother. Hey, this is biblical math. I'm not just making this up, and I cannot say this is the percentage that are, or these are the individuals who are experiencing this. But I would simply ask you, if you are young and life is more of a struggle than you suspect that it should be, I would ask you the question, are you honoring your father and mother? God makes it crystal clear. He will discipline you for this particular sin. He could do it for any sin, but he he literally states it. I if you honor your father and mother, things are going to go well. So can't I just flip the lens and say, if it's not going well, could it be because you're not honoring your father and your mother? That is a valid question. And if you have concluded, perhaps, yikes, maybe that is why God is, is pulling me by the scruff of the neck to get my attention here. Look home. Are you honoring the people who gave you everything? who sustained you, who loved you and continue to love you more than anybody else on the planet, you would do well to do that internal searching because far too many young people, they're ghosting their parents and Thanksgiving is hard. Illnesses abound. I keep hearing more and more sicknesses. I, 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 subjective, but when you're immersed into a body of believers, and we talk about stuff, we hear that there's a lot of struggles with health issues. There's financial concerns. By the way, speaking of financial concerns, Reddit, well, not interesting, kind of <laughs> disappointing study about the number of Americans who believe that money will make them happy. That's right. I was seven out of 10, if I recall, said money would make me happy if I could just have more. And so the question, of course, is how much is more? I'm doing this from memory, so forgive any inaccuracies here. But give or take, the average household income is $74,000. Historically, people said if I just could make six figures, I would be happy. Today, that figure, because we're building back better, is $250,000, unless, of course, you're a millennial or a Gen Z, then you need a half a million. Happy. If I just had fill in the blank, and they asked about the different amenities, if you could buy something really extravagant, would that make you happy? About half said, yeah, it, it would. No, no wonder why so many people are miserable. Um, making that kind of money, amassing huge wealth, that, that that ain't the norm. And because people have connected happiness to things and experiences, they're, they're miserable, incidentally. Sorry for the synapse here, but I think there's a connection. Was listening to Dr. Greg Gifford's podcast, Transformed. If you don't listen, it, it will be worth your 22 minutes. Every, no, how long is it, Jimmy? 26. <laughs> but who's counting? That's right. You are, because you're the one who produces it. And by the way, you do a bang-up job with it. Thank you. Oh. 
Oh, as if somebody came from behind and gave me a kidney punch right there. So Dr. Gifford is talking about the distinction between the brain and the mind and that mental health, mental hygiene are modern day terms, about a century old, that conflate. They, 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 They mix and mingle brain and mind as if they're the same thing. And the Bible makes a clear distinction. Furthermore, the Bible talks about the inner and the outer man. The outer man is this is your stuff, your your touch, your your tactile. It's your fingers and your toes, and your body, but it's also your lungs. It's not just the like your, uh, oh, what do they call the exo exo skin? You're out. Doesn't mean that. It means your body, the inner man. That's you, who who you are, your personality, your preferences. It, it it's. It's the inner man. Happiness, as a rule, tends to focus on the outer man. Just bring me pleasure. Bring me ease. Bring me comfort. Bring me food. Bring me a car. Bring me a trip. It's all external focus. The Bible has very little emphasis on those things. Yeah, they're needed. It's our daily bread. We've got to have sustenance to keep us going. But that ain't what gives you shalom, which is a more profound word than happiness. It's not a terrible word, but nevertheless, a deep abiding peace, joy, happiness, contentment. It is well with my soul kind of attitude. Those are the features that God is most interested in. Your inner person who you are, what you're becoming, that you could be like Jesus Christ increasingly to glorify God. That is what we should be striving for. The world says, nope, outer man business. And guess what they find at the end of the road? The same thing Matthew Perry did. Matthew Perry discovered, oh, that prayer I prayed to God to make me famous, he did. And he ended up discovering at the end of that Glamour Road was nothing. It was a lie. It, 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 was, it was a promise that couldn't be delivered, that being famous would make you happy. Ask the celebrities that have to run around with a bag over their head so nobody recognizes. The very thing that they desired, they probably sit and go, ah, I just kind of want to go and buy. If I go to the grocery store, people are going to actually stop me and talk to me. That's what you wanted. Why don't you want it anymore? Because external, outer man pleasures, they're fleeting. Oh, sure, they can be fun for a season, but they're fleeting. It should be the inner man that brings about peace, shalom, and contentment. And these days, we've got a lot of people, their inner man is hurting because of deep wounds, because of hurts, because of family relationships and dynamics. And so it is over the last several days, I was reminded we sure do live in a fallen world. So let's focus this week on talking about it by diving into the mailbag all week long on Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms 
of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Well, it is Cyber Monday, and over here at Wretched Radio, we've decided that your wallets should only weep from joy. That's why we're carving prices like a Thanksgiving turkey, up to a whopping 50% off. That's a dated reference today, isn't it? Anyway, I know what you're thinking. What about the shipping? How about free? Zip, zilch, nada on orders tipping over that $50 scale. And the icing on the cake, when you spend $75 or more, you're going to snag a 40-ounce Wretched Tumbler. That's the only way you can get it is when you spend $75 or more during this sale. The Wretched Tumbler? Well, imagine a vessel so coveted it makes your old mugs look like they're from the Stone Age. It's not just a tumbler, it's a statement. Think Stanley, but of the Wretched variety. Much like your Thanksgiving leftovers, these deals, they're almost gone. So head over to the Wretched store now at wretched.org and click your way to the promised land of savings. It's the Wretched Radio Cyber Monday Sale. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Could we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, teledocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Know your reformers. John Whitcliffe, called the morning star of the Reformation, was a professor at Oxford in the 1300s who preached against papal authority in matters of doctrine, politics, and church practice. After his death, his bones were dug up, burned, and spread over the river. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. That's the... What are you laughing at? <laughs> what are you doing? Patting myself on the back. Ah. This is Wretched Radio. Came pretty close. I found that article... Median household income, 74000 a year. Respondents in a new survey said, if I could just earn 284000 I thought it was two fifty. You know, cool quarter mil. 284000 each year. That'll help me achieve happiness. No, it won't. Americans said they need to even more in the bank to feel content. They need $1.2 in the bank. 
So we all need to be millionaires. Then we'll be happy. No, no, we won't. External things don't bring abiding peace. External things, they can be pleasurable. Let's not minimize it to the point of becoming aesthetics. But they don't last. Americans think, yeah, that's exactly what I need. Seven out of ten Americans said having more money would solve most of their problems. Well, it does solve some problems, but that isn't that isn't going to make you happy. It's a different tank that needs to be filled. What? I, I was just going to say that it, it does solve problems, the the current problems that you think you have, but it brings about a whole lot of other ones. You no, know, it sure having wealth. It look the. It ain't everything it's cracked up to be. Have you ever thought about what you would be like if you struck it rich? A relative died. They left you a lot of money. In a very weak, sinful moment, you bought a lottery ticket and you hit the jackpot. Have you, have you played that game? We have. We've just asked the question, what would our lives look like if suddenly the Lord decided to put a dump truck of money into our bank account? Would our habits change? What the the types of stuff we buy? Would we need a bigger house? When we've just done it, not as it just FYI, it wasn't done like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we won the lottery? It wasn't that kind of conversation. It was more of what would that be like? And I concluded, I think I know why God has not given me a lot of money. Because <laughs> it would be a, a temptation. It, it, it would, the world would suddenly become more accessible, and I mean the world system and all of the lies that it presents as truths to make you happy. And what about giving? What about giving? Let's let's just say, just for yucks, Jimmy, you won the lottery mm-hmm. and you got a hundred million dollars. Oh wow! All right. So let's just say, I don't think a tithe, 10%, is actually the biblically mandated amount you're supposed to give. But let's just stick with that. You got $100 million. Okay. How do you feel about writing out a check for $10 million to your local church? I, I don't feel. It would be like, huh. Well, this is easy. That, that's a lot of money. Uh, that's, you, would, you would have no problem doing that? I don't think so, because at that amount of money, I mean, it's not sacrificial, I don't think. Well, okay. Then let's do it this way. 90 million. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then- no better yet, because it only takes 1.2 million to make you happy. <laughs> that's right. Do 98.8 million. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're going to give that away? At that point, no. <laughs> <laughs> you start having, you, you do start having second thoughts. How to steward that. Right. It is, it's, 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 look. It's just a different thing. Now, you might be going, well, boo-hoo for the rich people. All right, well, I, I, I get it because some of the carking cares of this world just aren't concerns to them. I get that. But that doesn't mean that it's easy having a lot of money. It's, it's, I think it's hard on both ends of the spectrum. Isn't, isn't that the, the prayer that we should be offering Hey, don't don't let me be so poor that I steal, but don't let me be so rich that I forget you. Whoa, wait a second. The Bible actually identifies a temptation for those that God has blessed financially. In other words, they got stuff to struggle with too. Not the same, I grant you, 
But it's not worry-free, struggle-free, prayer-free, difficulty-free. It's different, but it is, I would say, no less of a challenge. Because I, I, I understand you could say, well, it's worse to be poor than to be rich. Well, I get that because of needs, uh, you know, being able to set the HVAC to a temperature that you prefer, but you go, the cost per therm these days, we better just leave it where it is right now and and start a fire. Which, by the way, Jimmy, uh-huh. if you want to become really financially successful, a firewood company, get on it. Mm. I have tried. I've lit hundreds of fires in my life. Recently, I cannot get a fire started to save my life. I was in in a house that had a fireplace. I'll start the fire. I love starting fires. I love the smell. I love the schmutz. I I love soot. That's really the word I was looking for. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I love... I love the possibility there could be a copperhead snake in the pile of lumber that you go to get out of the garage. Love the whole thing. Couldn't get it going. Went to the store and they were giving away those sticks that they just start on fire by looking at them. Wouldn't start the wood on fire. Put in a bunch of newspaper because I hate the mother and I don't care if we cut down every tree. Couldn't get the wood started. Jimmy? Was you, get into the lumber business and sell wood that actually burns. I'm telling you. Was, was your wood drying out? Well, see, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't know. There it was, sitting in the thing. Right. I don't want to get all technical with the fire term terminology <laughs> here, but with the basket thing that it sits in. Right, yeah. There it was. Looked pretty dry. Uh-huh. You could have put a blowtorch to that wood, and it wouldn't get going. You need to go into the lumber business you will be rich and, and happy. Then you'll have a whole new bag of worries. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so if you're thinking that these baubles that the world dangles in front of you are the things that are going to make you happy, they aren't. Talk to any celebrity who's being honest and they will tell you, no, it didn't, it didn't deliver. It's, it's like exciting. Oh, I heard my song on the radio. Ooh, the movie that I wrote. There's my name flitting by. And nobody will ever remember. It didn't deliver. 67% of respondents said if they were able to pay their bills on time, it would increase their happiness. (sighs) Paying your bills on time won't increase your happiness. It will remove things that can be troubling. But that doesn't make you happy. Troubling things, now remember, they can be both sinful and non-sinful, but troubling things, we don't have enough money in the bank. That, that's a troubling thing, and it needs to be considered, and it needs to be dealt with. But might I suggest it has happiness? Nothing. It, it, it has to, removing stress, anxiety, if you want to use the vernacular of our autonomous society, but it doesn't make you happy. It think think of it like a like a like a meter, and and in the middle is just uh, I'm neither joy filled, happy, or or concerned about a lot of stuff. That's the middle. And then to the left, you've got all of your concerns, all of your worries, all of your problems. You get rid of all of your worries and concerns. It just brings you up to. Uh, you need something else to give you 
joy. You need something that lasts. You need to be connected to the vine. You need the sap of Jesus Christ flowing through you. If you don't have that, you will you can amass all of it. Bill Gates does not wake up in the morning and go, "I'm so happy, I'm a billionaire." It just done it it can't it can't do that. It does mean he never has to worry about finding another fork full of food, but it doesn't make him happy. Being connected to the branch. Just heard a magnificent sermon from Milton Vincent. You really, I encourage you, go listen to him. You'll be fed. You you will love Jesus more when you are done listening to one, just one of his sermons. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you're not producing fruit, it doesn't mean all fruit. It doesn't mean that you don't ever sin. But it means you, you produce no food, fruit, you just get cut out. You're, you're, you're not a true Christian. But connected to Jesus Christ, you will bear fruit. What kind of fruit? The kind of fruit that actually does satisfy, that makes you go, that's good. Helping people, serving others. Putting other people before yourself, being compassionate, being kind, being generous, being sacrificial. You put your head on the pillow, guess what you have? Your meter is now clicking to the right. But you must be connected. You must be. Otherwise, you will become a legalist. I'm doing stuff to make me happy. That tank will run out of gas very quickly. You need sustaining power, and you have it in Jesus Christ. So what do you do? You, you study the vine more. You look, you look at him more, and he will fill your life increasingly with the sap of life that actually brings happiness. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start with news from the entertainment world where Disney recently got Microsoft to change its AI image generator simply because people were making too many creative Pixar-style posters that made fun of Disney. (laughs) Apparently, they can dish it out, but they can't take it. It comes on the heels of Disney's latest animated film, Strange World, which flopped hard on opening weekend. But given Disney's recent track record, the film's dismal performance was about as shocking as seeing a mouse at Disneyland. See what I did there? All right, now, moving on. In marketing news, Fruit Loops has pushed gender ideology recently on children because they have been giving away new Stories of Discovery children's books with cereal purchases. The Breakfast Company wants to teach children that boy and girl are just assignments and they can choose from an endless buffet of genders. No word if Toucan Sam is now a they-them, but as they say, the loopy fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. (laughs) And in politics, Senator Ted Cruz recently blasted the NSA over its woke diversity glossary that was recently uncovered. Terms like white fragility and intersectionality have no place in our national security apparatus, Cruz noted. He said this ideological poison undermines meritocracy, which is essential for protecting America. But the NSA more focused on hurting their employees' feelings rather than, you know, like 
focusing on foreign threats? Matter of priorities, people. And new House Speaker Mike Johnson's belief in original sin was recently under scrutiny and labeled by the leftist media as shocking. Nah, maybe to some, but to Bible-believing Christians, that notion that humans are born morally flawed is fundamental theology 101. And finally, for Pakistan, a Christian man was brutally murdered in front of his family. His father cited religious hatred as the motivation for the murder, and his Muslim killers yelled insults during the attack over the son's Christian faith. As we tell you, please continue to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world. As Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Earthly justice is needed and demanded in cases like this, but make no mistake about it. Eternal justice will be handed out. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. First Samuel tells the story of God's interaction with Israel through the prophet Samuel. When Israel asked for an earthly king, God gave them Saul, who, like Israel, drifted from God's law. So God commanded Samuel to anoint a new king, David, who was a man after God's heart. God does not look on the outward appearance, but on the heart. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Blah, blah, blah. If Jimmy would stop talking, we'd get to the mailbag. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, are you done with your little diatribe on money and happiness? I think so. <laughs> Please. I know it's not mailbag day, but we're diving in. Why? Because we all need to hear other Christians have challenges. The, the social media world says nobody has a problem but you. Wrong. Idea at wretched.org. Or you can text a question, comment, conundrum, snark to 281743. What's the number? 877 <laughs> That's right. Did you see that email that was sent in about international callers? I did see that. That's intriguing, I'm, isn't it? It is. I'm looking into it, it. It must be done through the internet so that people internationally, wouldn't that be fun to hear from folks? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be having some interesting perspectives would love to hear from folks outside of America. Right. And you know what I'd really like to hear to boot? What's that? What life is like in their country as a Christian. Mm. That's more of a comment. But wouldn't that be a good reminder that we've got brothers and sisters all over the globe and that Jesus is actually building his church despite all of the Western statistics that appear to reveal, whoa, Christianity is shrinking. Um, Probably not, frankly. <laughs> it's just that with any sort of social pressure to identify as the predominant faith, when that's removed, people are more willing to say, yeah, I don't believe in that stuff. But that's probably always been the case because the church can be filled with tares, false converts, individuals who do it for whatever reason, but aren't. And now they don't have to pretend uh, and furthermore, when Jesus said he's going to build his church, I don't need Barna. I don't need pure Gallup to tell me how Christianity is doing. I know it's growing because Jesus promised 
he's going to build his church. Idea at wretched.org or 877-282-2337. Standard text messaging rate supply. All right. This is from Krista. What's <laughs> wrong, Todd? It's like an ice pick through my eye. Just whatever. Like, seriously. Like, like the FBI is going to send us a hey, you didn't say that standard text rates actually apply, which I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So, do you ever look at your cell phone bill? You ever have a text rate I, I line not. item on it? I do not. No. All right. This first question is from Krista. Todd, I have a daughter who was raised in the faith but has walked away. She's now considering marrying a non-believer. Though we taught her to marry someone who loves God, she doesn't seem to care. If I don't support this union, she may see it as another reason to label me a bad mom. How should I approach the situation? You need to hear a thousand times, you're not a bad mom. That's what you need to hear. Because she's telling you, the world tells you that you are toxic. You're an oppressor. Remember, this, this really is all about critical theory. The idea that if somebody in power treats somebody with less power in a way that is not pleasing to them, that is considered oppression. And therefore, the one on the bottom receiving the bad treatment from the oppressor has every right to do anything they want in response. Paging Hamas, anyone? That's the narrative that Israel has been oppressing Palestine. Um, I I don't know what history books or news articles they're reading to come to that conclusion, but as soon as they hear, oh, they're the bad guy, oh, they're the colonializer, oh, that then that needs to be destroyed. Which, by the way, speaking of Canada, was just reading. Let me see if I can find this from Canada that they want to get rid of Christmas. There's a there's a bureau. They have some sort of government power. The Federal Commission, here it is, declares Christmas holiday as religious intolerance. (laughs) Wow. The Canadian Human Rights Commission, which yields broad quasi-judicial powers, argued that a day off on Christmas is discriminatory. Why? Because it's evidence of Canada's colonialist religious intolerance. What is that critical theory? Right there. In order to move forward towards a sustainable change, all Canadians must first acknowledge Canada's history of religious intolerance. Well, what is that? That is the language of oppression. You say Merry Christmas, you're an oppressor, it's gotta go! On an anti-racism timeline, the agency adds that its human rights officers have been empowered to suss out. I didn't know that's what this meant, but I... Context, it tells, to suss out the, quote, subtle scent of racism. And they've been ordered to prioritize cases relating to race, color, or national or ethnic origin. Despite the evidence that everybody in Canada is quite content with Christmas, the Human Rights Commission wants to get rid of it. How are they doing that? What is the thinking behind it? Oppressor. Christianity's been the oppressor. The colonializers. Great Britain, don't you know? They're colonialist. Therefore, we can tear it all down because we're the oppressed. That is exactly what is happening in so many homes. And that email that we just heard, I think 
probably slots very neatly in, into the category of a wounded parent who is being painted gaslit, if you will, as a toxic parent because their child has brought bought the language of CRT in its in a parental so critical parental theory is what it is. That's CPT is what these kids are experiencing. These parents, you got to break away, get away from them. And then I love this part. The parent will say, so um, if you could explain to me what I've done that has caused you to feel with this way, here's the response. See, there it is. There it is. Just more evidence that you're toxic. You don't even get it. How painful. Parents are hearing that message from their children regularly, and good Christian parents need to be affirmed over and over and over again. You're not toxic. You're not terrible. You're not an oppressor. You're trying to be godly. And I would suggest more and more as parents, we need to be leaning into the the theology, not only of sovereignty, but of regeneration. I, You can do everything right and that doesn't mean your kid is going to be obedient and wonderful and love the Lord. That work is up to that work is up to the Holy Spirit. You're called to be faithful. So, mom and dad, what should you do in this situation? Daughter has rejected the faith and now wants to marry an unbeliever. I, I does your daughter know where you stand? And the answer is yes. So you could very simply state, or maybe even not state, honey. You know where we stand on this issue. Look forward to the wedding and the reception because we'll be celebrating a marriage, even if it's not biblical. We'll, we'll, we'll be there because a marriage is a good thing even when it is done wrongly. There's, there's a lot of different scenarios like this. Should I go to a wedding where this is the dynamic? I, I think of the, these two people are shacking up and they want to get married. Who should I go to that wedding? Yeah, absolutely, you should go, because it's actually taking them out of sin and putting them into a context where they can have their intimate relationships without sin. By the way, Jimmy, I got one for you. What's that? Oh, this one. This here's here. I'll let you noodle on this one. Okay. All right? you, you can noodle on this one. Somebody sent an email that asked. There's a couple. In our church, they're both believers. They're single. They're in their 80s. They live together. They don't sleep together. They're not in the same room. There's no intimate relationships, but they're lonely. They want to be together. But if they were identified as married by the government, then one of them would lose their social security and they wouldn't be able to survive. What should the church do? You noodle on that. I got a take on it. We'll see if we agree. Okay. So I'm I'm buying you a little time here because I had some time to noodle it through, and I just want to be fair and equitable. <laughs> Thank you. Like the rest of the world, <laughs> apparently. And I want world peace. And, and I want everybody to have the same everything and that the world will be a better place for it. It'll be just like it is, only only better. Here's, here's, a, here's a not better the world has created oppressive parents who have been gaslit and informed that they're terrible simply because they uphold their Christian values. Keep upholding them. 
that this might be this might be a rule that all of us can apply in various contexts and situations that if your kid knows where you stand, you you don't need to keep banging on it. Now you just apply that as you see fit in whatever scenario you might be thinking about. But if in this instance, if your kid knows that you don't think that she should be getting married to a non-believer or an, uh, an unbeliever, um, then you can just move forward, love your daughter, and embrace that at least they are not sinning in a sexual way because ultimately marriage is good. This is Wretched Radio. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well, then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. As you may know, we're passionate about spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ around here. And we want to thank those of you who have partnered with us to make that possible. Our gospel partners are the backbone of this ministry, the lifeblood that allows us to reach millions of people all over the world. We promise that we use your support wisely and efficiently to create quality productions that capture the attention of believers and share the gospel in a clear and compelling way. As a gospel partner, you're part of a community that is dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. And we're accountable to our partners and take this responsibility seriously. So please, if you would, take a moment to consider what it might look like in your life if you were to become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. If you have questions, we certainly have answers, and you can find those at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Names of God. We learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. 
When we were dead in sin and unrighteousness, God provided the righteousness He requires in Jesus Christ, our substitute. If God has provided for our salvation, how much more is He able to meet our daily needs? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, yes. do you have your answer? By the way, did you say <laughs> I don't know why they invite these people on. Jeopardy is supposed to be for smart people, which is why I never watch it, because it just makes me feel as dumb as I actually am. You and me both. They had a woman on. She was a wrestler for the WWE. It was historic. She got zero questions right. None. <laughs> that would have been me. <laughs> <laughs> she actually had to pay Jeopardy when they were done. She was that in debt. All right, Jimmy, you have had your Jeopardy moment. Here's uh-huh. the scenario. A couple, let's just say they're 80. And when I say couple, I don't mean married. They're not married. They're single. They go to your church. They profess to be believers. They've been going there for decades. They are both widows and widowers. And they have decided for the sake of companionship, uh, for the sake of the ease to a degree that is brought with living with another person, uh, financial amongst them, and that they wouldn't lose any sort of their social security benefit if they got married. The question is, should the church say to them, yes, you can live together, separate bedrooms, obviously not being intimate. They have claimed, no, we're not. This is just about companionship and being able to survive financially. Jimmy, you're the elder. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, that thought every time it comes. Jimmy, you're the elder. Uh-huh. What would you advise to this couple? Oh, man, that that it really is a conundrum to think it through. Uh, but uh, on the one sense, I see it's it's no different than having roommates. But it, on the in the other sense, should a man and a woman live together, but they're not intimate? So th- there's a lot of layers there. And well, I, see, you probably are thinking most people aren't going to think they are considering their age. Right. Uh, but it could be the appearance uh-huh. that is indeed problematic. And we should be concerned about our testimony, which is why I would say if you're young and you're thinking, hey, I'll just have a roommate with another boy. Hold on. Or a girl, whatever your gender happens to be. Temptation mm-hmm. abounds. Um inappropriate images that you will likely see and testimony will be besmirched because people are just going to, yeah, they're just, they, they shack up. That's what y'all, they say they're in separate bedrooms. But you know, and as I listen to you talk, that's what comes to my mind is, is we talk a lot about, and I completely agree that, that young, younger people should seek out the wisdom of older people in the church. What kind of conversation would this be? This is this this would be a conversation that I think hinges on our understanding of marriage and who brings them together today. What makes a marriage a marriage? Now, I think we have to recognize biblically because there is very little talk about the marriage ceremony. Furthermore, Paul's admonition to the Corinthians. You were a pagan, you married another pagan. Now you're a Christian, you're still married to a pagan. You can't divorce them. What's the implication that that marriage, which was not done in a church, is valid? Because there was some sort 
of commitment, some sort of oath or vow that was taken, most likely public to some degree, they're actually married and you can't divorce them just because you're now a Christian and they're a pagan. From that, we can conclude that marriage in the Bible is authentic, even if it's done out. But I fear that these days we believe inside of the church that only if marriage takes place by the authority of the state that it's a marriage. You see, it's God who ultimately concludes that's a marriage. It's not the state. It's not the government. It is God himself. Even if it's even if it's a ceremony that is done without invoking his name, he's the one who says, that's it, you're married. That's, that is a covenant relationship. You can't break it. Today, we hear this. It gets reinforced. By the powers invested in me, by the state of fill-in-the-blank, I pronounce you man and wife. Hold on. What, 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 what's happening here? Well, historically in America, the government decided, because marriage is such a good institution for society, that they wanted to encourage it. They wanted to get into the marriage game. To promote marriage, they offered bennies. Taxes, deductions, kids, all... They, they wanted to promote it, so they got into the marriage business so that you would register with the state so that they could actually say, yes, you should be getting these deductions. This is your tax rate, being married as opposed to single. But do we wait to make a marriage a marriage? The answer is absolutely not. It is God who does that. And that means, now this is going to sound radical. I get this. You're, you're going to go, well, this just sounds backwards. You don't need the government to declare that you are husband and wife. That declaration from God. And so if a Christian couple makes a declaration before God to be married, they're married. Government even need to know about it? No. They don't they only have a financial interest in marriage. That's it. This is this is all about taxes. This, this is all about schools. This is this really the institution of marriage, as we understand it, one man, one woman, cleaving to one another, one flesh union, that's God's institution. And we need God to authorize a marriage. So if a man and a woman came together in a church service without the authority of the state, and they made a public declaration, a vow till death do us part, they're married. And they could even say to their friends, we're married. We register with the state as if it would even come up. No, we didn't, we didn't register with the state. We don't need to. We had a covenant ceremony. God has, has blessed this marriage because we did it publicly. We did it biblically. And in his eyes, we are married. What does that have to do with our scenario? If this cup, this, these two people, they want each other for companionship, which is a component of marriage, financial help, physical help, all marital ideals, could they not just get married in the church without the government knowing or being involved and then it doesn't affect their social security because they're not married in the eyes of the government? Our government insists, no, you need to go to City Hall, you need to get the paperwork stamped, and then we declare you married. Well, they can do that all they want, but we don't have to participate in that system. In fact, just making a little, 
non-prophetic prediction, we might come to the point someday where we actually want to be separate from the government and the marriage business. I think those conversations should actually be happening now, frankly. Well, but in this scenario, Jimmy, I would say an option, not mandated, an option is, look, you're, you're going to be acting as husband and wife, even if you're not intimate because of your advanced years, uh, you're going to be acting, then let's do a covenant ceremony inside of the church. And then when people ask, you can wear a wedding ring to boot. That's a, co- that's a biblical covenantal symbol that you, you're married. Mm-hmm. And then there's no sort of, <laughs> those two old folks shacking up together because right. they're not shacking up together. What do you think of that idea? Yeah, I think I, I completely agree with that because, you know, a, as a church, our concern should be for for the testimony. The, you know, what 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 is their situation saying to the rest of the body? That's another issue because I mean because then you have the younger couple that comes and says, "Well, you 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 know, elder, you let them shack up. You don't say anything to them. Why are you saying anything to exactly. me?" Exactly. Right. So, marriage is biblical, and that institution is God's. We do not have to participate in the governmental system. Feel free to send your response to idea at wretched.org, or you can even text it. To one 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 eight seven. Hey, Thanksgiving was a little long. Okay, eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven. Standard text messaging rates apply. All right, this is a te- text from anonymous. Uh, real quickly, Todd, uh, this is about parenting, but it's on the other side of the spectrum. This is actually from the child. Should I honor my parents if one is a rapist and the other yeah. an abuser? What does it mean to honor parents in that uh, scenario? You can still do it, believe it or not. Do you have to praise them? No, that isn't necessarily on. That can be an honoring that we publicly declare. I've got great parents. Happy anniversary. But that isn't demanded. I, I think perhaps in a scenario with a, just a little bit of information, the honoring that you can accomplish is by not besmirching them. By, by by not saying disparaging things about them doesn't mean you can doesn't mean you can't share it doesn't mean that you can't get counsel or advice on this situation but I think to honor means in this instance it would probably be limited to um, I'm just not going to trash talk you another level of this might be that you're still able to communicate to them from a safe distance. It doesn't mean that you need to be warmly affectionate. That's not what honoring is. It doesn't say that you're supposed to love your parents. It says you're supposed to honor your parents. So you, as you heal, you can consider honoring them in that way, sending a birthday card. But I think at the very least, you'd be fulfilling your commandment to honor your mother and father by simply not dishonoring them. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.